0: Okay, thank you, thank you heavenly mm-hmm. Father, thank you for bringing us together, Father God, that we can honor you, Father God, with our word with your word, Father God, bringing it forth, Father God, in our own own way, Father, We're trying to share what we do, what we've done, how we've grown, being men, sharpening men, Father God, let us speak your word today, Father God, let us. Truly exemplify what you've put into us, Father God, and be an example for those who are listening, Father. Bless this day, Father God, and protect all those who are uh, covered by uh, your your blessings, Father God. And as we go through this coronavirus incident here, Father God, we know it's just trying to get us to be obedient to you, Father God. And stay to keep us in your word, Father. So, Father, we ask for your continued blessings through this podcast and through the day father god and bless everyone who listens father all these things father we ask in jesus name amen.
1: Amen. amen
2: amen all right good morning everyone this is god's men to put the table and we're just men coming together men of god coming together talking about things in the world and things to make us better men have us become the men that god has created us to be uh Last week, we was talking about the warfare of the man, and it was getting good. And so, this is kind of like part two, because there were some things I wanted to touch on that we didn't touch on. Um, Pastor Barnes, I'm going to ask you this question, just if you can go down and um, talk about this. Um, some of the things that I've been noticing with the warfare of a man, uh, things that are. Uh, I've noticed it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, um, uh, fatherlessness. Uh, your your outlook on that and why it's happening and what type of spirit is that that's coming
1: into us as men? Well, amen. There's definitely no doubt that those are the type of issues that inundate uh, men as they become a man, as they grow from childhood to manhood. And um, I was looking at, I was just glancing through my TV the other night, and I noticed there was an extraordinary number of black exploitation films on there. <laughs> and I said, "What is up with this?" You know, and <laughs> and I can only, like I said, I can only take so much. But I remember people that used to talk about that and look up to that, and and uh, I was listening to some comedian talking about one particular black exploitation film, and it was actually on TV. And so I, I looked at it. And I once I said, "Okay, what is so about this film?" Uh, and it was nothing but just that the drug life, the um you know, the, the prison life, and it was being glorified to some degree, you know, a large degree. And I know some degree. And, uh, and I said, man, is this what they grew up looking forward to? Is this what colored their idea of manhood? And, uh, and, and, um, and I began to think, you know, it really is a lot behind it, especially during that era, during that particular era for black men, but for men in general. Um, there is a lot of things that are promoted as rights to manhood, as uh, pathways to manhood, and and we had to unlearn a lot of things that were incorporated in in, in our in society um, regarding what a man should be, shouldn't be, should do, has to do. You're not a man if you don't do this. You ain't a man if you've never done that, and a lot of it was negative stuff. And I thought, man, that is like. Uh, a, a trap to some degree uh, uh, as a lot of things start to fall apart. As the man struggled trying to be head of the family, there were all these little traps that were set along the way in terms of thinking, in terms of the, uh, the uh, what's the stereotypes of manhood and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were results of failure. A lot of them were, were because of areas of failure because of the failure uh, in relationships, a lot of the men, the, the ones that became pimps, they were they're doing the very things that were violent, that were controlling, that were trying to establish manhood, but it was a result of a failure of learning how to operate in, successfully in relationships. The whole prison system with a lot of the men got in there and tried to prove themselves and, and uh, as a result of failure uh, to function in society. You know the failure to get a job, the 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 um the 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 challenge that they had of getting along with other people and learning how to function, uh, in the village, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> there was a lot the drug thing, a lot of the hiding of men, you know, where they just, you know, mm-hmm. trying to make money any way you can't get your quote unquote hustle on. And I I guess I was really naive in many years because I didn't because I was always taught by uncles you got to have your side hustle. And um, and many times their side hustle involved things that were illegal and led them right down their path to divorce, to prison, um, and to drug use. And uh, trying to, they, they, I mean, they meant it sincerely as trying to be a man, trying to, to make it, trying to have things and what have you. But how they did it, how they did it was so twisted up and warped away from what we now know as we study and research and get with the Lord God as the, um, the real goal of man, of being a man, being a family man, being a father, being a husband. And uh, as they fail in those areas, these other little areas start to pop in many times. And, um, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, I mean, I spend a lot of time with my son trying to tell him, show him what real manhood looks like. You know, what it should like, what you should, what your goals should be, how you get your real side hustle on, so to speak, or, as in J-O-B. You know, how to pursue mm-hmm. and get your education, how to sharpen your mind, how to treat your family and your loved ones and things of that nature. And so uh, a lot of that, the downfall of, of a lot of misconceptions that became. I'm not trying to find the right word, that became normal a lot of misconceptions mm-hmm. along the way and, and promoted by <clears throat> men of that era. I mean, this is a generational thing. There's a lot of lies, a lot of mistruths, a lot of misconceptions that became uh, that became passed on as truth. You know, mm-hmm. they interpreted different failures. It, it was a lot of, we, we lost out a lot. There's a lot of things that came upon many men as a result a <clears throat> failure in their God given areas and their assigned areas. It's like broken assignments, if I can use a phrase. Um mm. so a lot of that stuff's the enemy comes in and pushes in and promotes it and and, and, and it becomes generational you know we know that fatherhood a uh, 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 fatherlessness became generational a lot of the prison culture became generational with men it's like almost like a rite of passage a lot of drug use became generational mm-hmm. and uh we have to be aware of this it, it took a lot for men to stand up and say this is not how it's supposed to be you know, this is not the purpose, the plan of God. This is not the design of God in any way, shape, or form. And as a result, men are in a lot of warfare against these generational traps, so to speak, that 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 caused mm-hmm. them to miss the mark with regards to what God said they're supposed to be as men. And that's one of the major battles. I mean, I like I mentioned before, the promise keepers was a major pushback against the failure of men. And it started out with men saying, you know what? I was taught this, I believed this, I did this, it was wrong, and I apologize, I repent, and now we got to get back to the Lord God so men can get back to their original design. Um, Amen.
3: Yeah, Pastor T? Yeah, thank you, Pastor uh, Pastor Ryan. You know, um, I think uh, it's great that I think we're starting out talking about that The plight of men um, Uh is a spiritual fight, first of all, and all these other things are coming alongside to cripple men and families. Um, You know, I think it was—I'm not sure who it was—but you know, I think it was Miles Miles and talking about purpose. You know, and if we uh, if we don't know the purpose, oh Lord, that's a powerful quote. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so. If we don't know our purpose, which starts at a young age, uh, being modeled, being taught, being demonstrated in the home, and then in the in our uh, comp- our area of influence, um, you know, it's it's very easy to see how because there's uh-huh. traps already set by the enemy through people, through organizations, um, through groups, through neighbors, through family members to cripple and destroy. God's purpose for that for that young man. So um, I think uh, what you just shared is just so on point, Pastor. Just you know, uh, this is a spiritual fight, so we fight spiritually, and then in the natural, as we get direction from the Lord, we begin to apply natural action, things that are seen, things that are applied, things that are said, things that are done to win back uh, and to establish and to teach purpose to our young men.
0: Yeah. Joe. yeah, you kind of, that kind of resonated with me. I was thinking back to, you know, my early years when, uh, you know, you were seeing all these guys out there, you know, the pimps and the, the attire that you wore and that uh-huh. that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we were always taught, you know, get an education, do certain things, you know, stay away from Pookie and them.
2: And, uh, you know,
0: <laughs> your butt would never get so sore and your uh, life would be better. The um, our side hustle was to Take this lawnmower and go find somebody's lawn to cut. So you know, we were taught to do, you know, the, the good hustle <laughs> and, and not not get fast money. Although you made a lot of money in, on the block Amen. with the uh, with the lawnmower. Yes, yeah, sir. And uh, I think the one of the turning points for me was, uh, you know, first of all, I had to. Always come home and do homework first. But when I got into college, then you start getting a, a different message, you know, about uh, learning self worth, you know, learn about yourself. You know, what, what's really going on? Uh, what are you planning to do in the future? Uh, you know, we had people come, who had been in prison come and talk to us about, you know, there's no future after prison. You come out, you know, you don't really learn a skill. If you come out, uh, your life is going to change going that way. So, uh, you know, stay in school, stay in church. So we were always taught to, you know, find out, set a path for ourselves. You know, even if you had to veer off the first path, you decided and go into something else. And then surround yourself with people like yourself, you know, people that are in in church or in the word or, uh, you know, that have set goals for themselves, that are uh, doing business the right way. And, you know, growing up, you know, sometimes you also – you know get influenced by that flashy guy down the street, and sometimes you 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 would dabble in some of those things. I think we talked a little bit about that last week, mm-hmm. but uh, you know mom and them would get you out of that, you know my sister's boyfriend uh, the guy down the street, some of my other friend's fathers, you know you know that's not the way to go. Let me tell you, go, you know, come on, you guys come over to my house, we're gonna spend the weekend, we've had that weekend out in at the house, getting man talk. And I think some of that's missing with our kids now. Now man talk comes from uh, one of your peers who mm-hmm. uh, went to juvenile hall before mm-hmm. you did, or, you mm-hmm. know, went to, yeah. went to one of the prisons before yeah. you did. So they're going to tell you how to live life, but uh, you know, they haven't really lived it the way they want to. So I, so I think, you know, really that's one of the, some of those things are the things that push you back into the church too. You know? Cause I think growing up and going to college, I didn't go to church as much as I should have, but I still stayed in the word and always went to church. You know, mama, come on, go to church with me this Sunday. Lord, Oh, so no, yes. <laughs> and if you didn't go, you had some explaining to do. So I thought, lots <laughs> <Ross explaining. laughs> So explaining. Uh, and then, you know, Reverend Johnson used to come over for lunch after, uh, for dinner after church sometime. So, uh, you know, he'd sit at the table and give you a word. So I think some of that's missing nowadays. Yes, yeah. it is. So I think you know we need to just really get back on that. And I think that's something we had talked about a few weeks ago about, you know, men talking to the men, having men organizations and groups having men's ministry meetings, having some one-on-ones with uh, men like we're doing. You know, now we kind of stay in touch and talk to each other, and uh, kind of lift each other up. So I think those are some of the things that we we
2: need now that that have kind of disappeared. Lord, yes. Yeah, I heard that. Now Brother Rod, are you here? I
1: thought, no, I, heard I, him thought him. I heard him too.
2: All right. Yeah. But um yeah, it's um I, I like what you guys say what you guys are saying. Now let me ask you this. Are we raising our young men to be men of God or are we just raising them to be quote unquote the society's version of being a man? Because even, even though um, I was in the church growing up, my mom would take us to church. We weren't taught any of things in the church. It was kind of like, well, let the let the boys be boys. They taught to the, the the young ladies in the church how they were supposed to act and carry themselves. But we we was under that let boys be boys. Let them sow their wild oats. Let them do this is. Is that something that, that you guys saw in the church or did y'all see something different? Well, I
1: think in this generation, there's more of a, if I can use the phrase male consciousness, there's a little more awareness Mm. going on, a little more enlightenment, you know, because we, we're in the generation and we've got a lot of books. Uh, Pastor T mentioned one of the guys I consider to be my mentor, Miles Monroe. And, uh, reading his books and listening to his stories. And there, were, there was a couple of other individuals that wrote several books about manhood. And I think we saw kind of, an like I said, after the Promise Keepers era, in the church, we saw a lot more enlightenment. It became to be more classes teaching men how to be men, how to research and do just what we're doing. Men getting together saying, where are we failing? You know, uh, the whole promise keepers movement was no big thing. And it was another movement that was, I think, slightly outside the church, but still was about male enlightenment. Um, The Million Man March thing. Oh, right, right. And so there was a lot of movements. I mean, in my lifetime, we have seen a lot of enlightenment for men to say hey the family's falling apart what are we supposed to do about it we got more of a role than we've been taking and uh, a lot of repentance a lot of change and and in the church that meant a lot of classes a lot of sermons on being a man being a king so your wife be a queen and uh there was a lot of things that were i mean i when i started uh coming into that male enlightenment A lot of it, I got through Dr. Godot, Philip Godot of Calvary Christian Center, Mm -hmm. you know, and I go to his Mm. men groups and he was, he, you know, he didn't cut no ice over there. He was definitely straightforward with them. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and I remembered that because I, you know, remember saying, man, I hadn't heard that in a church before and talking about stuff that make my ears (laughs) warm, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, but it was straight, you know, he just said he had a different tone. And, and that seemed to be around that time where a lot of, especially the word churches, uh, were putting out lots of books and courses about the family, about marriage. There was a marriage movement. There was a male return to manhood movement. Uh, there, was a, there was a fatherhood movement, you know, and I think the Lord God definitely inspired and caused many of those waves to take place. And because he was waking up men to prepare them uh for a lot of the family back to god movement that we've been seeing you know uh i mean we've seen the you know the just in the areas we've addressed you know get get you know treat your wife treat your honey uh get your kids back you know uh, get your manhood back get your get your job back get your goal and your purpose back with the lord god purpose another miles monroe subject so um I, in my eyes, from what I've seen, uh, I mean, I was there when the churches, from the old school churches that didn't do nothing but jump hoop, holler, shout, the scratch, you know, <laughs> yeah. until all of a sudden they began to teach, you know, and uh, I was drawn to the teaching, as you know, no doubt, you know, I I got I got caught up the teaching and and the flow of books that began to come out, and it changed my life. Uh, because I, I learned a lot of the principles that um, that now I see being incorporated at a standard. A lot of the themes that we hear standard in the church, uh, for that matter. Um, now I, I've been reading them first in books, and now it's become part of the the church language. So I think there's been awakening in our generation. You know, as we went from the black exploitation mm. to to all of a sudden, you know, biblical manhood. Uh, there's been and 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 there's been a war in, along the way, you know. As the enemy wasn't going to take that sitting down, you know. As the man find his place, then everything else comes back right. into place. Right, yeah. right.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deacon Joe. Great.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <clears throat> Excuse me,
0: but yeah, I kind of uh, what was the question again? I got distracted, but. <laughs>
2: I forgot. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about how we were... Oh, right, right. Church, okay, we okay. A difference. My,
0: uh, yeah, because uh, I think, you know, we, we were taken to church, you know, and you said mm-hmm. Sunday school, but, you know, you weren't uh, really tested on it or anything. But I think being in that environment was to keep us out of the street environment that was around there. But we did have a few people in church that kind of... Uh, father to and stuff. My mother, for part of my life was a single mother. So you had, you know, some of the deacons and some of the brothers in the church that was, you know, come here, Junior. Let me do, you know, let me talk about this and that. And I've taken some of those things on when I've been raising my kids, you know, uh, taking them, spending time with them, talking about things to do and don't and trying to be an example of how to raise kids. And it stuck with a few of them and a few of them not. But, um, I I see now that, you know, a lot of them have picked up those things and have putting that in their kids, trying to get them into sports, get them off the street, keep them out of trouble, uh, you know, not doing drugs. And one or two will pop up here and there. But I think, you know, some are back in church. One of them was in church and on his way to becoming a deacon, maybe a minister. And then him and his wife broke up and his life kind of changed and went in a whole different direction, but mm. you know, he still knows the word, uh, his wife passed away. So he raised his two teenage daughters on his own. So he's using the word a lot now. And, uh, <laughs> as he tries to get through that, but, uh, I, I was kind of like you, you know, it wasn't really, you know, learn, learn the word, and learn your Sunday school lesson and all that. So in fact, I think, uh, when, um, I didn't even really give my life to Christ officially, you know, until I was just in, out of my teen years and stuff. So I was just going to church, but I was still participating in the Easter plays and Christmas recitals and all that stuff. Cause I was, you know, active person there. But, uh, you know, now I get it as I grew up and it started really hitting home that, you know, this is something that I needed in my life. And I trying to instill that in my kids. And to this day, you know, when I get together with my sons, we'll sit around. I'll sit around, and we'll talk about things like that. So, still trying to pour into them, so they can pour into their kids.
2: Amen. All right. Pastor T.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, um, my mom. We were. Uh, how do you say that? Uh, yeah, we had a we had a, a drug a drug addict and and, and a. <laughs> drug the Drug Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the best way. <laughs> Up until we're about mm-hmm. uh till we left uh left home to go to school. Um but it was primarily well, ninety-nine percent it was my mom that uh took us to church uh every Sunday, Sunday school. Um and uh, but but as far as I think training and modeling, uh uh my dad was probably that person. Yeah, I never saw him. Uh, he never broke his word. That's one thing I know. If he said he was gonna do something, I mean, you know, it's kinda like, hey, you can count on it every single time. I, I like something I heard Brother Hagan say, you know, if my dad said the sun's gonna rise in the east, I'm i st- I'm waking up in the morning and start looking east because yeah. it's gonna happen. You know, it's, it's going to happen. Um, uh, so that's something that uh, uh, when my brothers and I, we get together, usually my dad comes up. At, it's just almost every conversation, even in my own home. And I think I've shared this before, but one of my siblings, we get together. He always comes up and just the highest level of respect that we all have for him. Um, you know, the 40 plus years that he was in my life. Um, you know just the the greatest hero um, that all of us had um, and just wanting to emulate that for my children so that you know they can look at me now and if Jesus tarries when I leave here um, they can you know say hey uh, my dad uh, made an impact in my life you know Mm -hmm. a positive one not a negative one, but a, a positive one. So for me, my modeling came from home, Amen. Mm-hmm. from church.
2: Yeah. Now,
3: was there a certain thing that happened in
2: your life that made you take a look at your wife, um, your wife? I'm sorry, your life, and um, make a change in it? For me, was um, even though like I said, we was, we was um, taking the church. But kind of like let boys be boys. And um, I remember, you know, just going through um, life. You know, I had a good job, was married. And um, actually, I was on my way to being divorced. And I couldn't figure out why, what I was doing wrong. I knew I had some anger issues and some issues. I couldn't figure out why. And um, I was off one day and just happened um, to turn on at the time, BET, and they had BET Inspirationals in the morning, and Dr. Creflo Dollar was on there. Now, I've already heard of him, but never, um, you know, it was was a while. It was, wow, almost 15 years later, you know, that I'm really listening, or actually seeing this man again, and he was talking about being a real man. And I I sat there and watched watched him preach on that. And you know, at the time, I swear it was only supposed to be on for 30 minutes, but it felt like it was on for like two hours. It was like this thing is going long. And I still think it was probably only 30 minutes, but it hit me so hard, I broke down in tears. And I was, yeah, 35. And I said, I need to make a change in my life. I need to be a man of God. Did anybody go through something like that? We're gonna start off, uh, Deacon Joe. We'll start off with you. Uh,
0: yeah, because you know, I, I could see myself drifting a little bit. You know, I went to college in the '60s, so that was you know the and uh, in, in San Francisco, so you know, lived lived in the Haight Ashbury <coughs> district, and went to wild parties and all that. And, after coming out and having this, you know, grad graduated and got a diploma in, uh, psychology, but, uh, after coming out and having to get into the real world, you know, it's kind of like, well, wait a minute, I really need to make some, some solid decisions now. Cause I'm on my own now, you know, i don't have a scholarship, or uh, living at mama's house and all that kind of stuff. Cause I told myself, you know, okay, I'm going to college. I'm going to move out and be a man, get out of mama's house. And, uh, you know, that was a bit of a struggle. I ended up living with two of my class schoolmates in the haight Asbury district in a one-bedroom. So, you know, we rotated. One slept on the couch, one slept in the room, the other one went home. But, you know, but, uh, <laughs> you know it, it, it was it was a, a, a bit of a thing. One of the things that really changed me, one of my counselors and— uh, him and his brother were both ministers, but they were the counselors for the African-American black students over there. We were trying to start black student unions and get the classes started in black history. And uh, they were the ones that would pull you to the side and talk to you and take you under their wing. And uh, that kind of really changed me because sitting around listening to them, uh, you know, they would bring uh, some of the uh Stokely, Carmichael and people like that on campus to talk with and they would also talk about the you know, the God side, the biblical side. And that really kinda changed me and wanted mm-hmm. me to get back into the church and really start changing my life. So, you know, I started started moving in that direction. It was slow, but still moving in that direction to get to where I am now.
3: Okay.
2: <clears throat> Pastor T. Um,
3: actually my <clears throat> my journey was in the natural I had a lot of good things going on um I was working two jobs um had my own apartment, my apartment. Uh, one of my bedrooms was my weight room I had a new car a uh, jeep wrangler convertible i was I was rolling But all that stuff going on in my life. I just felt empty on the inside like something was truly missing and uh, so I thought I could solve it by um doing good things like you know began tutoring kids who were struggling in math and things like that um but that still didn't didn't fill the void um It was only when i again I saw uh, our church van from oakland I' am living in Sacramento at the time, but I recognized a uh our church van going down Franklin Boulevard here in Sacramento and it was uh realizing that it was my former Sunday school teacher who was now pastoring. Uh, He was pastoring a church, a small church here in Sacramento. And I went there on Sunday, on that Sunday, following Sunday, after I saw the van and I've been there ever since. That's been almost 30 years ago. So that's kind of, that was my path, you know, just kind of reinforcing that material things and uh, stuff. And it cannot satisfy the spiritual need. And whenever We try to use material things to satisfy a spiritual Mm. emptiness. That is what materialism is, right? Amen. Trying to solve a spiritual Mm -hmm. need with material things that cannot work. Mm -hmm. It never does work. How about you? Well, hopefully, we're
1: on the same question. I got kicked off and just joined back in. So (laughs) you talk about this. Hopefully, it's the same question Um, with regards to uh, do we ever have a moment or an experience that seemed to turn your life around? Is that what we're talking about? Okay. Um, That is correct. Yes. I did. I was thinking about that. And um, I I didn't really have a real, I had several different come to Jesus moments in my life. Most of them started with just reading my Bible, Um, you know, just deep diving into the word and getting a real hunger for the word. And and I had a moment where I asked the Lord God to help me understand the Bible. And I received a prophetic uh, word from someone he sent to a church that I uh, didn't even know this person. I mean, I always had a lot of spiritual moms in my life for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And uh wasn't spiritual dads or spiritual moms. And and, and as uh, as I had asked the Lord God just to help me understand the word of God, I was in my early 20s and, uh, and I walked into a church and there was a woman standing in the foyer. It's in the entranceway and she she was waiting for me and I didn't know. And I tried to walk, I tried to walk, I tried to walk around her. and she cut in front of me and grabbed my hand and started prophesying and uh, told me the answer to my prayer that the Lord God says he's going to give you knowledge and understanding, wisdom and revelation about the word. She said a whole bunch of other things. And I was so tripping on why this woman that I didn't know didn't go to my church was prophesying my prayers in my private from my private bedroom, you know. And uh, but I, it, that moment mm-hmm. opened up our oh, road. Okay. No, his phone is cutting out. Oh, there he goes. And I remember that prophecy. Uh, I mean that.
2: Yep. I think he is. Having some.
1: Members. I was let that time. I was looking for a male father figure. At that point in time. I was actively looking to join a church. uh, Where I could find some sort of male mentorship and i remember that she spoke over me and said the lord said to tell you don't look for another man to be your father i am your father hmm. and and yeah it, it struck me like that you know and uh, i i i never forget that moment because uh i was actively looking for uh I, in fact i just got married and i was still searching for that father figure you know because there are a lot of things i had to learn on my own there are a lot of things i had to, they had to make mistakes and errors and things of that nature. And I and, uh, was looking for that father figure. When the Lord told me, said, I said, I am your father. And, uh, and that always stuck with me because I was kneeling in that chair. And as they were praying, you know, they pray over and they anoint you during that mm-hmm. time. And so I, as I'm kneeling in a chair, my eyes closed, trying to look holy, you know, and, and I felt that oil, three drops of oil falling on my forehead. And I didn't move because, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, OK, I'm not supposed to move now, but I hope I don't get any zits. You know, I'm, <laughs> so I was thinking, I, said, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, I said, oh, Lord, the oil, you know. <laughs> and and, um, and so I didn't move. And that's when that, that 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 word came forth about, you know, don't look to another man to be your father. I am your father. And finally, when she finished, she finished praying over me, I went back to my chair. And that's when I reached up to wipe the oil off and it wasn't there. You know, and uh and I, I, that that puzzled me for that matter. But um, you know, a lot of things began to change for me, and doors began to open up in my life. Um, I ended up meeting a man who was a pastor. Uh, uh he was a white man, and uh, uh, Pastor Bill Terry, and he was out in Orangevale, and uh and I immediately took to him for whatever reason. I just connected with him and his son and his family. And, uh, and I started driving out to Orangevale every Sunday, me and my wife, to go to church there because I found a level of connection and mentorship that really impacted my – it filled a void for me. It filled a void, you know, despite all that, everything else, and I was grown and, and kind of studying on my own. I still wanted that male guidance even – and I was married. By this time, I was in my uh, early, early 30s. And, uh, he had a lot of influence on my life. In fact, they were the ones that launched me and my wife into my first pastorship, you know? Uh, so I, I never forgot that. I mean, I had a love for that man because of, he was a father. He had two sons and he was good about helping you to find your ministry and launch, launch you forward into what you should do with your life. And that's what he did for me, you know, and I never forgotten him. Uh, as a result of that, he's still around part of the IPHC denomination, um, which is mostly white, you know, and um, but they were good mm. to me. They loved me. They embraced me. They launched me and they pushed me forward. And uh, a lot of things that I would have loved to have gotten from a father I got from this group of men in this particular denomination uh, at a time in my life where you know, God just knew <clears throat> this is the point. I got to kick you in the behind and move you forward in ministry and I'm going to do it through this particular group. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it made a difference.
2: Now, how can we as, and I know we talk about this a lot and I think I'm bringing this up because I had a talk um, actually last week with my son and he was saying that and I, I want people to just what your outlook on this is, because I think I know what my outlook was. But he was saying the men in the church have forgotten where they have came from. They forget that they once was out there also. And now when they come talk to the young men, they're coming to them as like they, they never did anything wrong. Is that something that we do? Or to me, I took it as, well, you don't want anybody calling you out on what you're doing wrong because they see it. So, no, I don't think they could have forgotten it because if they see it, we see things what we used to do. Um, Do y'all see that uh, men in the church? I know some can do it. Some people in the church can do it. But what what are y'all feelings on that?
3: Um, I think it's going to go two ways. Um, One is, you know, if the conversation is one that's judgmental, then I could clearly see that um, your son Mm -hmm. making that point, it's a valid point. Um, And so, um, but on the other side of it, I think your point is true too. You know, um, you know, when sometimes well, all of us have had this encounter one way or another. Uh-huh. When you hear yep. truth about yep. yourself, well, <laughs> right. the first response yep. is to get angry, regardless of how it's presented, and then to try to uh, um, rationalize our sin uh, or um, take the victim route. Whether I'm this way because so and so are not coming face to face with with truth about ourselves, so um uh-huh. it's important that you know the bible tells us to speak the truth in love. so and that the sweetness of the lips in proverbs 16 21 says the sweetness of the lips increases learning so the way it's presented is very important you know it's it's how uh, and i'm just learning learning more and more about these things you know it's learning about what a uh-huh. person will receive it's not about telling them where they're wrong. It's not always about a first, or um, <clears throat> but we have to discern what will they receive if we if we tell them things and it could be true, and be, and we can recognize, hey, you really need this. But if they don't mm-hmm. receive it, then we failed so it's important that we're discerning being led yep. by the spirit of God how to say things when to say things amen and yep. not expecting True. to True win me. the war at the with one shot you know you know it may takes it may, may take uh more and more and more encounters for people to open up to get to that place of trust um and again, you know, it's the Lord speaking through us. We can't just go in there because we know a lot, or we or we mm-hmm. know a lot about them, or we know what they've done. It's about what the Lord wants, needs them to hear at that moment, and let Him do the work. You know, He it's not our job to clean fish. You know, let yeah. let the Lord mm-hmm. let the Lord mm-hmm. change the heart of the person.
1: Yeah. Anybody well, else I I definitely had a different experience than, than than what he has what he said because, I mean, uh. A lot of the men of god that i was around i grew up hearing their testimony and their stories you know and sometimes I'm telling too much of their business about what they used to be i could <laughs> i could tell bishops stories and you know back and forth <laughs> nowadays i can't even eat pickles without thinking about him and, <laughs> and, <all> this, <laughs> you know, and stuff that he tells about what he right. went through and uh like I said, a lot of the, the men that we talked about, uh, Miles Monroe, Dr. Philip Godot, the Creflo Dollar, and the other, I they always told their story. They are always very transparent with regards to where they, because that's part of what they learned. That's how it was. One of the things they learned, you know, and uh, I made a whole, uh, I'm not made a career, I shouldn't say, but a mainstay of my ministry had been transparency to re-examine where we've been and where we're going in Elijah house. There's no way that you can teach that class without talking about your business. It just doesn't work that way. And um, so, I mean, I've been around a lot of transparency. I was, you know, uh, and, and with the men of God that I've been with, uh, I found them to be quite transparent because that made me let my guard down to feel like, well, if he can relate, you know, then, uh, then maybe I it's it's safe to share, my own testimony, my story, my experiences, my failures and things of that nature. I, I, I have found them to be more transparent in this generation, you know, sharing their stories and preaching about their stuff and what they did and right and what they did wrong. You know, I, I tell my son that all the time and talk about, uh, taught wisdom and bought wisdom. You know, I tell my son, I say, well, bought wisdom is is what you learn, what you pay for through tears and bloodshed and pain. You know, the things that, and I tell him my, my bought wisdom stories or the mistakes I made. And the taught wisdom is what you just receive from those individuals that have gone on before you. Uh, and all you got to do is just receive it, open your ears and listen. And, um, and so I, I, I heard a lot of men of God talking about their experiences, their hurts, their pains and their things. And I listened and there was a lot of things that were made clear to me that resonated with me because I'm like, I'm not alone. You know, I didn't go through this by myself. I wasn't orphaned or abandoned or anything like that. I said, my experience, uh, such as it was, is more common than I thought. And that's because of men of God that were transparent in telling their stories like the bishop, you know, so I, I have found I mean, I paid more attention. I, I think it's it, I think to some degree, I think that perspective misses the mark that they forget who they are because I've been an age uh, 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 in a generation where that's all I'm hearing is what they've gone through in ministry, what they've gone through in marriage, what they've gone through in childhood and things of that nature, what mistakes they made as teenagers and things of that nature. That's all I've been hearing. And, you know, so that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah, I think also uh, when you're trying to communicate with, with other men, particularly younger men, I think you, you just have to use everything you know, whatever is necessary out of your toolkit. You know. Some of you can just have that story, you know, just talk to them about some things, and uh, you know, take them around the building or something, have a little straight talk. But <laughs> <laughs> at, other, at other times, at other times, you have to use oh, different tactics, oh. so I may have to take you out on the Garden Highway by the river and talk. But oh Lord! The, <laughs> but the other part of it is, you know, sometimes you do have to, you know when they say, Oh, you, O.G., you don't know what you're talking about. Then I might have to wow. pass some of my experience. And I've been through what you've been through. young Thank man. you. You know, I've done that. Uh, you know, I went to jail for one day. and never went back again. And that was a mistake going that day. <laughs> right. Uh, wow. You know, uh, I've, I've worked in juvenile and jails and stuff, you know, <laughs> do, doing, um, uh, church visits and stuff, but you know, so, you know, if you have to whatever it takes, you know, uh, Talking about job, talking about drugs, use, uh, you know, talking about uh, kids in and out of wedlock and that kind of stuff. So uh, sometimes you have to pull, you know, pull that out so you can, okay, oh, okay, you know, OG know what I'm talking about here. So, uh, you know, then you can build a, better, a little better relationship with them. Sometimes you can't, you know, sometimes you pull mm-hmm. out everything you got and you still that old OG that don't know anything, you know, the old church deacon, you know, like the one I, I hated when I was growing up. So I'm not going to listen to you. So I think you just have to use whatever tools are available. Very to to true. Very true. Mm.
2: Yeah, because I'm finding that um, it. I actually, my son now he knows that I do the podcast and everything. So he, he was like, "Yeah, you can ask him," you know, because he doesn't like. He's like, "Oh, I don't like to get personal. He hates when I ask him questions, but um, he always <laughs> wants me to bring an answer to him. But uh, <laughs> but he was saying, he goes like." yeah you guys don't have to deal with um um homosexuality like we do, and I didn't tell him uh actually we did the only difference was social media has put it out there even more out there than what um uh, um what we um had to put up with and I was like, well, what's the issue and he says, Well, he said they're always coming at you, and it's like they want you to um um you know, be okay with their lifestyle, but he's not okay with it, and he doesn't know what to. Say. And I said, "Well, so that's a part of growing up. There's things that you aren't gonna like, and there's things that um, that um, you have to learn. But you just can't say we don't know where you're coming from just because things are a little bit different." Um, and I find that, like I said, because that's when he pulled out the only God can judge uh, That's
1: old school. Me.
2: And I was like, yes. no. <laughs> right. I said, the only people who say that are the ones mm-hmm. you know you messing up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so now you're making sure nobody says anything to you. Um, so uh, what should what outside, like you guys were saying, so sitting down, telling them, hey, we have been where you're at. Um, how do we get them to and I think I like what Deacon Joe said. You know, um, I, well, I like what everybody said. How do we sit them down and say, I, uh, "Okay, I'm gonna change that um, the, that question." Are we expecting them to listen to us on the first
1: try, or the first thing, and we want? Well, that to depends on your relationship with them up to that point. Where you, what perspective are you coming from? Are you talking about your own son or one that you? taken in in your life one has been through some stuff you know you you have to build a relationship what was that quote you gave pastor t about the uh sweetness of the lips increases learning and that's a powerful quote because if you don't have a relationship a lot of men uh, didn't, you know, if, if, if they were talked to rough and spoken to in any kind of nasty way, they don't know how to talk to other men, even sons or children. And, but if they do know how to talk and connect with them, that's what that transparency is so important. Then it shows, you know, they don't identify with the young men for that matter. A lot of men have turned their sons off, uh, you know, speaking to them, you know, just just shoot from the hip and just uh talk to them any old kind of way. Do it because I said so kind of a stuff. Yep. <laughs> you know, and they didn't know how to connect. Mm-hmm. They didn't know how to have the sweetness on the lips. They didn't know how to be human in front of their sons because they were so worried about how they, and, and the sons would cut them off. They'd stop listening. They'd turn them off. You know, so it, it varies. It's not just on the child to be receptive, it's also on the fathers to win their hearts to learn how to relate, to be, learn how to be um uh, vulnerable, to connect them, to draw them in. You know, uh, I think that's something that men had to learn how to do. You know, if they were raised rough, many times they passed that on to their son. There's a lot of sons that when I did counseling, that talked about, with me and my father could talk because he wasn't a, about lecturing And nothing. He just going there, whip, whip you, beat you, you know, tell you what you better do, threaten your life, and then move on and go <laughs> drink his coffee, you know. And <laughs> and then they then I talked to him and say, well, that's how he was raised. And he said when he did get real, he say, well, that's what my dad did to me, and that's how I was raised and what have you. And they didn't really have a relationship; they had a, a authoritarian type of approach to it that did not was not sweetness on the lips didn't build a connection and 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 you just you tried to survive his fatherhood survive being raised by your dad more than you did actually connect with him and actually benefit from it and so uh there were a lot of fathers that i talked to in counseling that said i was rough as a father because i was treated rough as a son you know they didn't know how to the sweetness on the lips they didn't know they could do that still be a man they didn't know how to sit down and open up to your son to say you identify in whatever version it looks like uh to identify with his challenges and weaknesses that he's going through in his generation so i think it really does begin with uh the father really opening extending his heart to the son and then the son in turn responds he's the one being raised, he's the one being trained, he's the one being reached out to, and then, when the father knew how to how to be real how to how to relate, you know then the son would have a sponsor, okay, well, maybe he's not so bad, not so mean, you know, or, or what have you, and then would be receptive to his wisdom and advice because he knew it was coming from a place of love and not a place of judgment, do what I do what I say, not what I do type of philosophy.
2: Right. Anybody else on that? Because I got a good question for y'all.
3: <laughs> um, I know. Um, just as my my experience has been, um, I remember I went out of town uh, one weekend or one week or so, and then Sabrina was home with the kids doing homework, everything. and so when I got back, you know, she said, "Hey, you know, the kids why is Dad so angry?'" uh when we do homework and you know that's something that i never saw something um i didn't hear myself um you know i didn't even realize I came across that way um so when she told me that that really uh you know i was a mark of a benchmark in my life and then when i came across i was listening to uh keith moore and he was teaching on wisdom and he brought out that verse uh the sweetness of the lips increases learning so uh, that has been mm-hmm. my uh, my approach since that time, to uh, and then recognizing that my children mm-hmm. are I'm their father in the natural, but they are my brother and sister in Christ. So you know I've heard in our men's classes, our men's Bible studies, I've mentioned this before that you know um, we treat our treat our wives like we would treat Pastor Deborah, uh, and I I would and so I endeavor to treat my kids as if. Uh, again, as they're my brother and sister in Christ, that means I'm not going to, mm. I'm not yelling out of control. I'm not, <laughs> no. I'm going to, is if I'm speaking to you all or some of the sisters at the church, I'm going to speak to them in that same tone, that same approach, uh, to the best of, to the best of my ability. So, um, it's, it's a learning experience. Um, uh, 'Cause we're still growing, you know, all of us are still growing as fathers. And even as our children change and age and take on responsibilities and make their choices and and there's gonna be choices they make we don't agree with, but still they're they're if we begin to see them as our brother and sister in Christ, I think we would have a better perspective versus um, Hey, you're my child and blah blah blah. You know, um I was talking before this one hasn't been too long ago and um he, you know, his interpretation. He's, I'm sure he's right. He, uh, his interpretation was I was really hard on him, and um, and I was sharing with him, you know, Forrest. Uh, the, the times I probably when you think uh-huh. I was hard on you were probably things mm. that I saw in you that I disliked in my own self, and somehow they they I saw the same thing in you that I disliked about myself. Uh, that I think uh, was a was a truthful. Uh, for me, it's a truthful point in my life where, you know, things that I saw that I was not strong in and I saw it duplicated right in front of me, um, things that I failed to correct and I see it here again and not wanting my child or my son to uh, follow that path, but to be better to recognize it and make the change at an early age and not be 40, not be 50. Still Amen. Not making that adjustment, so um, that's kind of well. You get on something that's, that's really
2: good because that is something that I said to. I had to tell my son, um, uh, there are things in you that I see that I did, and that's why I can recognize that you're going down that wrong path. I've been there. It, it was the stuff I didn't like about myself, and um, he. I think he gets it, but he doesn't get it. But you, you. That is a very good point because I think they missed that part that, um, like we, we weren't born grown-ups. So we, we went through some things and we can see it. And I think, um, um, the sermon, I, I don't know if that's the right word I want to use, but the sermon is brought to us that we do recognize that, but, uh, here is a question that, um, I think I want to start off with uh, Pastor T on this one. Do we see God as we see our relationship with our fathers? And is that maybe the reason why men do not go to church as often as they should?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's a lot of it's in ignorance. Well, it's, it's, it is in ignorance. Because, um, you know, the, the perception of <laughs> yep. God is that yep. <laughs> a white guy with a long beard, uh, with a stick in his hand, waiting for us to make a mistake so he can hit us over the head, kill our, destroy our jobs, destroy our careers, mm. uh, make life harder, penalize us, <laughs> you know, put, put roadblocks in our lives because we made a mistake. That's the common thought of, of God. And so, I truly believe what you just said is so true. That out of ignorance, um, we we equate uh, authority, our authority, uh, as father, father, the father authority, man authority, and equating to how yeah, God think, responds. I think that's why uh, that uh, a lot of people
0: I, uh, think they have to be perfect before they can go to church. I don't want to be over my sins. I want to be off drugs, you know, I want to be married or in a yeah. right yeah, relationship so with God, but I don't want to go and join church, you know, if I'm not perfect. I think I went through that stage mm-hmm. for a while that, uh, and I kept putting it off and putting it off, not realizing that you go there to continue to grow, you know, and help let the church and, uh, you know, the staying in the word change your life for the better. Because you, you just keep struggling and pulling. and right. You know, a lot of times you're pulling and struggling with the wrong people. And uh, so you got that fear of God, you know, that he's not going to like me if I go there and not realize that he's watching you all the time. You know, you're already being <laughs>
2: watched by him. So. Right, because um Yes, uh, sir. I'm gonna ask you to on. repeat
1: the question. I kicked off again and just got back. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. Uh yeah, the question is do men see their relationship with their dads as the same relationship with God? And is that maybe why they aren't in church?
1: Well, churches? that's pretty much that's a standard understanding in terms of uh one of the things that affects men. You know, your first father that you know intimately is your natural father. If you had a bad relationship with him and then you come to the church and they say, God is your father. They already have some expectations built in, in their hearts and minds because of what they experienced with their natural father. And, uh, and that was something I was taught earlier Mm -hmm. is that, okay, you know, if, so if, if you grow up thinking you have an absentee father and now you come to the church, Talking about God as your Father and is there for you, you have a stereotype already built in mm-hmm. based on your natural experience, and and, and therefore you tend to assume, well, I can't talk to God. He's going to be gone sometime. He's always going to be around. Mama's gonna be here more than he is. Maybe he'll talk to me. Maybe he won't. And if he does, he wants to whoop my butt. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah true so yeah, that plays a big factor at least I mean, far as my experience in learning how to have intimacy with the Lord God and expecting him to really be a good father and encouraging father. Uh because uh, your first experience is your natural dad you know that's your that's your first fatherly encounter he shapes your perception of the word father whether you mm-hmm. hear it and go looking to be loved or whether you go to cry and the moment somebody mentioned daddy's home so uh mm-hmm. it definitely it, it, mm-hmm. yes the answer yes it definitely makes a difference <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: and um and here was is, I'm sorry, this was a question um, that I wanted to ask earlier, and it, the conversation that got so good, I forgot about it. So I'm going to kind of jump back to it. Why, what is the struggle <laughs> with pornography?
1: And I'm sorry, I, was, I didn't mean to oh, laugh out loud. Oh,
2: <laughs> uh, one of the stats, it was a crazy stat that um, when people uh, uh, there was talking about men who travel, one, when they get to the hotel, one of the highest times of pornography people watching pornography is when mm. they travel, and I was like, okay, I can see that, but this was what the crazy part was they was even mentioning how how much higher it is when pastors or church members go to a conference, how high pornography is when they read pornography. What is the, how is pornography taking over uh, uh, us as men? And I'm only asking because it's not something that I've had to really deal with, um, never really got into it, um, but i'm learning there's different types of pornography that you can fall into so um whoever wants to start that i'd, lo- I'd love to hear y'all opinions on this
3: Amen. <laughs> hey, man i we lost somebody um oh i know um probably uh growing up uh as a um teenager work I worked at a, a golf course and um I was you know working the golf range and then got promoted to uh gassing the golf carts mm-hmm. and, and it was like the great high school <laughs> high school job and but the uh men there the employees uh not necessarily working for the golf course but they worked for the city but their job was to take care of the um grounds well they had a stash of books of, of pornography, just stash mm-hmm. books. So as a teenager, I'm looking, I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm looking. And I'm looking. And you, you know, you're attracted to the female body as a man. And, you know, as a teenager, it's like, huh? What? And, and it, it, because it was exposed, and then the sin nature is right there, you're not, I didn't differentiate between, um, this is violating purpose, my purpose, and this is totally normal. For, to me, this was normal. This is what my friends, we all work at the same location. Um, we are all doing it together. And so I noticed uh, just as time went by, um, you separate from that, but then it would come back again, you know, uh, going in, in college, uh, your college friends, here it is again, uh, your roommates, here it is again. And I think, uh, but as I when I turned my life over to the Lord, then I began to see or had better understanding what the enemy was trying to do to me, trying to destroy my life uh, as a single man, mm. trying to destroy my life in the future as a married man, and um, and, and getting to that point where uh, I recognized this was a spiritual attack against me, and. Um, I just remember this one time, I'm newly married, and uh, we were living on 71st. And um, I go, I'm, I park my, I park my truck in the driveway, mm. you know, because the the driveway was right off the street on Fruit Ridge. And I go to the front door, and there's this naked lady. <laughs> I mean, pictures of naked women at my Whoa. front door, and I'm just like, this is the devil. <laughs> this is the devil. <laughs> I mean, but this is blue and just lodged itself right in front of my front door. <laughs> and so I'm like, man, it's the devil. And so, you know, I crumple it up, I throw it in the trash. I definitely don't want Sabrina or my wife, you know, think looking at I'm this is, I'm trying to break this into our, our marriage or anything like that. Um, but, you know, just going back, just uh, learning that, hey, I live above that, that's beneath me. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to commit mm. adultery mm. against my wife because that's what Jesus said it is. If we lust in our heart, we're committing uh-huh. adultery, and so I'm not going to do that. Um, and temptation, because yes. it's right in front of us. Yep. You know, it's on. It's on every television channel. Some form of it. Some form, and it's getting more and more and more aggressive, even to the point that if there's not an an adulteress or fornication in a movie or program, something's missing because it's just about in every single program. If it's not a big booty mm-hmm. or a big chest somewhere in the program, something's missing. So uh, we have to guard our heart. The Bible tells us to guard our heart and watch before we put before our eyes. The last thing, I've been kind of long, last thing, uh, yesterday, um, Benny Hinn uh, was on Brother Copeland's network, and I hadn't really listened to Benny Hinn in quite a while, so it was really interesting. Uh, uh, but he talked about the Lord told him three years ago to stop watching television, not to be ignorant of world events, but to totally just stop watching television. And that was like, man, you know. And he he gave his he gave his reasoning and everything how the Lord ministered him to do it and to live that kind of a life. Uh, But he just talked about being dedicated to the Lord and um, guarding his heart, guarding his purpose. You know, he's had some some serious challenges, some health challenges, some marital challenges, uh, really impacted his ministry. But um, he equated this, the Lord using him again and the anointing, getting stronger on his life to him just simply and guarding his heart. (laughs) (laughs) man I
1: tell you my mind's been going since you brought that question up just just <laughs> thinking I mean for myself I was a late bloomer with sex <clears throat> with sex in general you know because I was I grew up shy and there's a lot of things I didn't I didn't know and uh and and that makes you vulnerable to the pull of the streets there's a the street has its own interpretation. I had relatives that were involved in pornography and um you know uncles that talked about sex like it was like choosing what beverage you want to drink today, kind of thing. And uh you yeah, know, but different. I was always kind of shy. In fact, I, I went through the <laughs> accusations of being gay because I didn't really know how to speak up like everybody else did and talk to women, you know. And uh, as a result, I had those that try to accuse, you know, question my uh question my manhood in that area. But I had nobody to teach me or train me. So I just sort of I d I didn't you know I didn't it wasn't until college I started figuring things out and went crazy a little bit. And uh <laughs> but <laughs> Hey, hey, that's all right. You, <laughs> I, but I had a lot of, you know, in the hood. It, I mean, man, there were so many of them that were thrown to pornography, you know, early. And I had a whole a relative family of mine that I saw from the father, the, the grandfather, the father and a son and how it really messed them up. So, um, and, and I mean, in different perversion in areas like that. And then when I started doing counseling, In my own life, you know, doing counseling, talking to married, married couples and how many men would get caught up in pornography, you know, and it was epidemic level. And I'm one of you said it must have been you, Pastor T. I said, I mean, in the TV, they do promote it. I mean, there's soft pornography in the commercials. There's soft pornography in advertising. You know, the female body is always danced before men. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think after you've lived a while, especially if you've done some counseling, you begin to see the end results of men that got when they did get married and want to have an intimate relationship, want to have a covenant relationship (laughs) with a woman, how some of them had false expectations that have been set up by pornography They had I mean, I counseled a lot of men that had a dream that their wife stopped being their dream woman Mm. and they turned to Mm. pornography like this is the kind of woman I want. This is what I expect. And uh, and my wife is not meeting that. And as a result, the mm-hmm. marriage starts to fall apart and the woman going, what's wrong with me? Why didn't I and I find out, OK, you, you know, your husband's got not only is he in pornography, you know, he's relieving himself by masturbation uh, or or some mm-hmm. of them just straight up turn to prostitution. They want the dream woman. They want what they saw in pornography. Mm-hmm. And somehow they said that's the standard for how it's supposed to mm-hmm. be and i'm being and I'm being cheated, you know and and what have you in my marriage and uh they had a false idea of what intimacy was and and many of them struggled with that, you know they knew it was wrong, but then men are sexually wired, so they had this pressure they you know and this hunger for the wrong thing, the wrong idea, the wrong. Uh, definition of intimacy in many of their lives and uh and they would turn to release themselves or relieve themselves through pornography you know and i mean it is widespread pass it to you so right i remember somebody uh this was some years ago and a man driving by me behind me all crazy and in a big uh suv and when he passed by me it was at night i saw that he was driving crazy and he had a, a, a TV playing in the car and it was pornography on the TV as he drove by me, mm. <laughs> you know, wow. on his visor. And I said, man. that man is going to kill somebody if not himself. Wow. And watching pornography wow. and driving down the street. And um, like I mentioned, the relatives that I had, I saw that, that an uncle who was into pornography and very flirtatious, and and would molest a lot of women that was in that generation. And then he had a son who did the exact same thing, who got caught up in pornography and perversion. Who had a he in turn had a son that became a transgender, a, 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 a transgender boy, and found out that he had been raped. And I suspect, mm. I suspect it was by his own father. Mm. And I saw so those three generations of men. That Mm -hmm. because of pornography, their marriages and their relationships, you know, children out of wedlock, they had, you know, uh, sleeping around, things of that nature. Reputation had been ruined. Their perspective about what is or isn't good in life was all warped. You know, it was all some twisted stuff Mm -hmm. and all twisted up in that was pornography, you know, uh, uh, and, and, and it just went through their whole family. And caused a whole ragged, a ragged connection, if I can say that, you know, men that had, Mm -hmm. you know, that had, oh, I got, you know, child support over here. And this, you know, for this kid and this child, that woman and and I got, you know, and this one's abused. This one's having therapy because, you know, what they went through and the molestation by men and things of that nature. So in that whole circle of family, I just saw this destruction in the core of it. I saw pornography. You know, the, and they just they were they, they twisted ideas about what intimacy was. And uh, so, man, I mean, this is a bigger thing. You could spend your whole session talking about pornography with men yes. and uh, the pull of pornography, mm-hmm. the, the pull on the sexual drive of the man, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. why important that is to get a good foundation about what it is to be done. I mean, I I mean, even talking to my own son. You know, he when he was younger, you know, uh, and he'd be on the computer and he looked he loved Star Wars. And and when he was to look up Star Wars stuff, when he finally got of age and, you know, he liked to print a little picture. So I that was a little entertainment. I and, and I should not I should have been watching over his shoulder because he's searching for Star Wars and they would put pornography on there Mm and I said this baby look." and and at first Mm -hmm. it really shocked him and then so I had to try to fix it you know get the little software to make sure that that the pornography didn't show up but still when he was a teenager he went through every man's battle you Mm -hmm. know he went through every man's he he said pornography he was on the phone he said that at high school the kids were sending pictures of each other's private parts to each other and this is a Christian mm. Christians high school, okay? Mm. Wow. And they were in, and they had their little cell phones mm. and they would look, all of them, all of them. And he finally confessed to me he said, yes, All here. the boys mm. do it, look at pornography on their cell phone, take pictures of their private parts and share it with the other boys. And I, I thought, Lord God, what is that? Mm. Is that homosexuality? What is it? Then the, even the rappers, uh, when I found out, I started researching and found out that some of the, the new rappers um, during that time were singing about performing oral sex on each other. Good. The men, Good. the men. Oh, wow. So this thing has gotten really, really, really bad in, in this area and and, and really dark. And so I had prayed over my son, talked to him, went to counseling, all that stuff. You know, first you had the panic and and then you just have the real talk uh, like we talked about earlier. Let me tell you what my experience was and what my struggle mm-hmm. was and how it affected me. And I mm-hmm. praise God, my son mm-hmm. was still open to listen. Uh, but then I found out in that era just how his generation was actually inundated Amen. with pornography and sexual images they can't get away from it almost and because they're electronically plugged in to the society yes. more so than anything uh those that would promote it have more access to them than we know of and uh so we're not doing to, we mm-hmm. corporately uh the church needs to do more to fight this thing you know there's been a lot of good books talking about every man's battle And I had gave many to my son because really he was having sexual nightmares. It's like he was under Mm. attack by the enemy, and uh, Mm. and I said I I apologized to him. I said I didn't know how how rough that was, and you know his mama was just freaking out. She was just thought it was the end of the world. I'm like, no, that's every man's battle. (laughs) I said let's not make it bigger than it is. Make him Mm. feel like he just became the Antichrist. You know, I said, I said, let me talk to him from perspective of a man who had his own experiences in the same area. Sure. And Mm -hmm. so he's not Mm -hmm. feeling all condemned, Mm -hmm. you know. Right. Right. And uh, it it was it was a rough season. It really was because, you know, I mean, Lord have mercy. He was in the bathroom Mm -hmm. too long. I get nervous. He'd be knocking on the door. Hey, you know, (laughs) (laughs) what's going on in there, (laughs) you know, (laughs) right. Uh-huh, that's a long shower, boy You know, mm-hmm. you know?
3: I right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, thank you, I know
1: you know? Why is there a groove in your soap bar? What's up with oh, this? No. You know? <laughs> right, right <laughs> Let me talk to you <laughs>
2: Man uh Deacon Joe. And...
0: i'm sorry I'm just... oh, yeah. <laughs> No it is hard it's hard to follow that <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm still imagining the soap bar and not locking the door but
3: uh yeah, I think that But I don't <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. use
0: liquid soap I think a bad right now yeah. <laughs> but yeah I think you <laughs> we went through that I had uh, one of my best friends uh We'd go over to his father's house because he was also the one that kind of spoken to us about being men and stuff. But he always had the Playboy magazines and the Hustler magazines, and you know, hey, you guys, you know, you check it out and stuff. And you know, we did. We was excited back then, but mm-hmm. as we got older and started having uh, girlfriends and things like that, you know, the looking at porn and all that wasn't that exciting anymore because now you've got a relationship. Yep, and. uh you know, that we're also still, you know, going to church. Not as often as we should, but we're still going to church. So it was kind of a contradiction to be, um, you know, into porn and doing that. But, you know, in college you start seeing, you know, the uh, naked uh, miles, you know, uh, the track events and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So naked performances on stage. And I was with the, uh, did some acting for a while and you had to, you know, the, you know, the, uh, people who were uh gay and bisexual or whatever. And uh, you know, they were, you know, dressed uh any way they wanted to. So you had a lot of exposure, especially being in San Francisco during the uh Oh yeah. You know the uh, Haight-Ashbury district and going through that stuff during the sixties. Oh, so uh, after a while they're kinda like, okay, this is it just kinda you see it all the time. So it's mm. kinda not interesting mm. anymore. So thank
1: goodness. Any of your brothers have the Jet Magazine models pictures that would take out this, the center there? And the... <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. Man, in college. That was my, my okay, I'm not
1: alone. <laughs> the, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no,
2: oh, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was because uh, now with me, like, I was mm-hmm. exposed to uh, pornography at an early age, and it's not by my parents, but because um, we lived in, um, in in the military, so you could walk, and a lot of military men was looking at pornography and stuff. So the magazines were always around, and I remember my dad would say, "The minute you start wow. looking at that, you'll disrespect mm-hmm. a woman." <laughs> so you know you you can't disrespect it. A woman's body is beautiful this is not what you need to be what looking at. But it, he had no problem with the Jet Magazine <laughs> um, center so it was like, oh, put this mm. up on the wall, man. Oh, man. I remember oh, man. Actually, I had a mm. collection of it. It was pretty mm. bad. Um, but um, yeah, it, but I never got into the movies because I always remember my dad said, if you if you watch that, you'll disrespect it. sets up a false you standard. You never want to yeah. do that.
1: Yep, yep. And then unrealistic. Um,
2: kind of right, right. Yeah. And then um and then I was like, okay, cool. Sure, yeah. And then you know, you turn around, you see your dad watching these uh hip hop videos <laughs> with the half naked women, you're like, <laughs> What? Wait a minute, you
3: told us
2: <laughs> Oh, they're clothed. No, they scantily clothes. They're not but um I um my biggest worry was with um and- kind of went through the same thing with my son. He was looking at pictures and uh, he had um, Instagram and I swear every other picture was a half naked girl with Jordans. I was like the boy got issues with Jordans and half naked women and it was like what is wrong and we had to really talk about it and um, I was just telling them I always remember if you you can disrespect a woman by with these pictures it's going to happen. Um, and you don't want that. And um yeah, there was I, I've seen um like you said, the, what pornography can do, it gives people that false that falseness. And um I know a friend friend of mine, he was so into it that now um he will not have a relationship with um any a woman or anything because he has, um, he said, um, he got into it so much that he wow. has forgot what real intimacy is like, and so he has stayed away from relationships until he can get himself right with that. And um, I was like, wow, I uh-huh. never thought it can affect somebody like that. And you no, know, but on TV, since you brought that up, it it's like they they promote anything sexual. And it's not always, it's never a good sexual because um, I'll use the soap operas as an example. If If there was a good couple on a soap opera, I don't know who they are. And yes, I watch soap operas. I used to at times. I'm just breaking away from it. But there was never a couple on there that was a good couple. It was always an affair or they slept with this person and this person. It's like they're promoting it. They, um, it, and is, is there a reason? Well, is what's the reason for promoting that? And I'll let, let y'all answer that. We know it's an agenda, What? but what's the agenda? Is it, is it to destroy the family?
3: All right, and well, you know, Jesus said it in John 10:10, that thief cometh. Just to do three things, to steal, kill, and destroy, you know, kind of going back to where we were first starting out about purpose, you know, if, if purpose is destroyed, is distorted, vision will be distorted, um, you know, I was looking at uh, Proverbs 29 and 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but, you know, again, uh, just making that connection, if purpose is distorted, then vision will be distorted. And a person, a distorted person with a distorted vision is going to have distorted, distorted, uh, events, conversation, actions, creations. So it is the enemy behind it. Just taking something that God created Amen, which was good and undefiled and perverted it. And once that happens and then put money behind it, uh, Along with uh, just the next, natu- it's a natural response, but you put money behind it also. Because I believe I read where the porn site, yes. has the most uh, traffic is internet traffic or, or is pornography, is based upon pornography. So you take something that God made good, enemy got a hold of it and perverted it, and now it's a, it yeah, I against think, the law. Uh, you all can drill along with I that. Um, this, but it's
0: a marketing well. tool, you know, because. People want to see, you know, that's the kind of stuff they like to see. You know, people breaking up and, oh, they're having an affair. It kind of justifies what I'm doing type of thing. But if they're doing it on TV, it must be okay. So, uh-huh. uh, I, you know. But Lord you have people, mercy. I, I've talked to people and they've got that weird thing. If it's on TV, it's true. I said, no, that's the way to hear that. <laughs> but... Um, I think that's part of what they are doing is the marketing tool they're drawing people in. People watch that show so you add it to the next show that you put on or you develop. They see it on that network, so they add it to their program on the other network. Next thing you know, you know, you got the ratings war going on. But now you're perverting everybody. Everybody thinks that's the way to run a relationship. Oh, that's okay. You know, I saw it on TV or you know, everybody's doing it. But everybody's doing it because, you know, that's what they saw and they think it's it's okay if you see it on TV, but it's not. Man, that's the truth.
2: They're setting us mm-hmm. up no more. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Yes. And this is what, what I used to find weird. Yes, um, not I'm up to find yes, a new sir. word for weird, but here's my, yes, um, one of the things I used to notice when, um, this is when I was uh, my kids were in school and I had switched to work in the graveyard shift. So I would watch, that's how I got into uh, watching the soap operas and stuff and Talk shows, but I always used to remember that when um um uh oh say a man was cheating on his wife. Oh, they would boo the guy, talk about him, call him all kind of names. If the woman was cheating on her husband, they would cheer her on and and say, What did he do? and i think that um that gave i think that was a big shift when i start seeing that um i remember that was happening in the early 80s i think um i start noticing that where the shows were like that and then they just start promoting more um and they just kind of they start sneaking things in they start promoting um, adultery more than ever, I think. Um, did anybody notice that, or watching the shows, or anybody noticed that happening?
3: Absolutely. Um, you know, I was having this conversation with with my son, and you know, I, in my opinion, uh, I, and this is related but a little different. Uh, music mm-hmm. became uh perverted more perverted at least in my in my opinion uh, some of the people that i listened to mm-hmm. their lyrics were just totally sexual and for a high schooler uh in that in that you know age group and you're hearing this and you you're enjoying it it's it's um you know the distortion is is inevitable it's going to happen you're listening to it you're seeing it in front of you um you're going to be tempted to go down that path uh and and without the mm-hmm. necessary yep. tools to fight mm-hmm. it or the discipline to say okay this is wrong i'm not going to follow it is rare you know most you know the the the, the path to destruction is is, is extremely wide <laughs> you know it's, it's wide and so um you know, uh, just in my what I can, my timeline that I can uh, connect and have lived in. You know, I just noticed how, uh, along with television uh, and now internet, uh-huh. uh, music yes. was extremely extremely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Pastor Ron was doing a, um,
2: a lesson Wednesday yes. night about secular music. And this the stuff he was saying. And Pastor Ron and I have talked about, even all of us have talked about this. I, I don't blame Prince for messing up my life, but I used to listen to a lot of the Prince. I can joke about it now, but, oh, man, they put a mm-hmm. change, Prince, in the time. And, man, they put a difference on my life. I definitely uh, was affected by that. And then made it worse is when... Um, you get to college and then you start hearing nwa man 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 that's all i can say on that <laughs> it's just but music i mean if you listen to some of the songs some of the raps now i'm not even seeing how they could even be on the radio it is just really perverted uh, Pastor Ron, anything on that?
1: Well, yeah, you, know, you heard you what I had to say Wednesday right? night. It's a, it's a conspiracy. The Bible says, "Guard your heart for out of it are the forces and issues of life." And we just now beginning to, even now in this day and age, beginning to understand just how harsh the warfare is against our hearts, and how, uh, you know, music souls. You know, I, I mean, I was a musician for since age fourteen, since age twelve, really, and. um But it's when I began to study the impact of music that I realized the influence of artists Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how many times many people set themselves up for future warfares by what they plant early in their life, what they sow early in their life.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's something to be aware of because the sexual realm is definitely one of the struggles in music. I mean, people... Man mankind sings about and elevates and worships you know things that bring them pleasure and uh and you hear this in the music you can tell a lot of what's going on in society by the themes of today's music you know what they sing about what they elevate mm. when they promote you know and uh and, and and a lot of people don't realize to some degree that you know when they allow those artists. Images and words and lyrics and philosophies into their heart. They're 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 in a subtle form of worship.
3: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, how about how uh, about um, music videos? You know, those became more and more, or really launched, I believe, in the eighties. You know, and you see these artists, and particularly the women. Oh yeah. You know, uh, Deacon Theron mentioned Prince and uh, the time when nope. Vanity Six. No women were no <laughs> more ugly. They were there were no ugly women. You know, <laughs> and, and so all of that just, uh, yeah Really, just it's an an intelligent attack against. <clears throat> i I'd say against the family. You know, um, just mm. thinking. Um, uh, a nation is only as strong as its churches, and churches only are, are only as strong as its families. So you want to you want to we we talk about the ill of society. Well, we, the root is the the destruction Amen. of family and the
0: disorder. No, nope, I pretty much you agree with all, all of that. That's why nations?
3: Mm-hmm. Have it's
0: just have to put up our, our shield of resistance. Definitely.
2: Mm-hmm. Because um, um, a lot of the, um, I know, like I said, a lot of the music, my son and I, we, we talk about this. It is, it's, um, and we give. he has given me, um, because he asks a lot of questions now. It, um, so this is where, where I'm getting a lot of my questions from, because I'll tell him what we were talking about. And he has questions. And um, so I know it's affecting um, our young, our young men nowadays. Uh, what? <laughs> One of the things is how do we get, and I, I guess I'm not going to even ask that question because we already know the answer because the hardest thing is to get the men into the church, and if, if we, I guess <laughs> if we knew the answer, we'd be rich on that one, um, but what, um, how do you explain to someone if they don't know their purpose, then this is what their downfall is in life? Because I don't think my life gotten better until I knew my purpose with um, with the Lord and everything in life. Uh, what what do you guys? How do you tell somebody about their purpose?
1: Or well, what, you got to be careful to about believing there's a one size fits all, because there really isn't. Different people, God takes some different ways, and they come to knowledge of Him through different experiences. I think you know you you. you Mm-hmm. Just tell them this, tell them that. Was their experience to their heart are open to you? What kind of relationship do you have with the person? God has taken different people different ways. I mean, just look at the conversation we've all had and our experiences with fathers have all been different coming up in the family. And that means God would approach us different ways for that mm-hmm. matter. I I find that, you know, <clears throat> as to mm-hmm. what counseling, mm-hmm. Uh, to sit down and talk to a person, find out what has your experience been? You know, what, what, where are you, where are you in life? Where are are you open? Are you mad at the world still? Are you at the stage where you're asking questions to find out why you are the way you are, you know, where that person is, what is your influence? You know, what do you, what is your input in life? What, 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 what are you drawing from in terms of your philosophy? Is it your, is it worldly music still? Are you actually opening your Bible? You know, there's a lot of different factors that determine how you approach a person, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, Jesus he even had different approaches. Some people, he, you know, the woman at the well approach. Where he start out with a natural conversation and lead her into the spiritual. And then there was the Pharisees. Right, and right. He just blasted, he just he just opened up on mm-hmm. the Pharisees and blasted. them. Like they <laughs> yep. were supposed to know, you know, <laughs> and so he had different approaches. I think you have to have yeah. some discernment. You have to have some discernment. You can't approach a one-size-fits-all approach with people, especially when raising children, because they're going to be different. You know, they're going to have different access points in their life for that matter, Uh, different hurts, different wounds. What are their fears? What are their damage? You know, what is their experience? And so being in, in one trying to pour in, you have to first be a listener. You know, you really got to learn to listen to people and and not just see young man. Let me let me do my young man speak. Sometimes you got to sometimes Mm -hmm. where are you coming from? What is your experience with the Lord God? What are you open to? What you know, how much value do you put on scripture? You know, uh, who who poured into your life? Who is your
3: mentors? You know, what
1: is your experience? You know, is your mind even clear? Are you with me right now? You know. And uh, it 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 really you really have mm-hmm. to have some discernment, be led of God to know what approach will reach what person they are. Different people are at different levels in life, different grades in life, different philosophies. I've had those that um, on a council, and the moment they heard I was a pastor, they had this whole stereotype reaction based on what their experience was with pastors. Mm -hmm. and i had to i had to put all that down to talk to them Mm -hmm. and show them i'm just you know i'm a person like you trying to get to the lord god and i had to keep it real with them and then they tell me okay you're not what i thought you would be and 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 it wasn't until we got to actually would listen and receive what i had to say because they were so busy expecting me to come out and bible and all kinds of stereotypes like that. They just, they had their guards up. And uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't until we were able to get real with one another, you know, that they, they, you know, did they see, okay, well, you know, he's, a, he's, he's, he's the person like me, you know, he, he can relate to my experience And then they would trust me with their heart. So um, I think when men start learning to, when men and mm-hmm. leaders learn to keep it real. We, we talked, we touched on this earlier, learn how to relate and connect to a person. Then we learn to be much more effective in trying to lead men back into church or out of whatever bondages they might be in when we learn to connect with them. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know,
3: a part along with that is recognizing, uh, well, you know, all of yes. us just being uh, transparent. You know, I think it was a question earlier during the session about you know talking uh, with our our, our uh, kids or young men. And uh, how many conversations do you think it need they need for for them to change mm. or make the adjustment? Mm-hmm. Well, yep. How many times has yep. the, the yep. Lord talking to you and I about mm-hmm. the same thing again, again yes. and again and again and again and again and again again again? So, you know, it's it's not we we want folks to listen and make the adjustment, uh, but it's very unrealistic. True. Very true. Expect it so, to just happen on the first right. Attempt. Yes. But love yep. that's where love is so important because love is love uh yep. you stick with it. Yep. Love that won't fail. Love will not quit. You know, love is kind, love is it'll be patient. Amen. So Sweetness on the lips. We're motivated by the love
0: of God. Yeah. No, I think that's it at all.
2: Deacon Joe, anything to say? <laughs> I know. Huh?
1: They, they can eat sometimes. <laughs> hey, yeah. the pool the the pool is deep. <laughs> yep, yep. Got yep. You know, these yep. like
0: man, man.
2: <laughs> hey, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, I knew the day was going to be a great one. Uh, no, I any think this is words, a, a good
0: DK one to go. today. I think we covered a lot of territory, and uh, you know, hopefully, provided some insight for our listeners. I know I, I wrote down a few notes as well. And we'll wow. go back and, you know, do some Bible study on those topics. But, uh, you know, it's always nice to be around a bunch mm-hmm. of strong men. All right,
2: Pastor T.
3: I'm I'm, I'm just trying to wait I'm just trying to wait with you guys but it's been great I really appreciate everyone on the podcast you guys are are amazing Amazing, amazing.
1: well I'm honored uh, just to be part of the conversation my phone acted up this morning during our talk has been in and out and uh, but mostly in, so praise God. Um, I, I enjoyed the conversation. This is definitely mm-hmm. my definition of in terms of being man. And I, I wish I had a collection of friends like you, brothers, 20 years ago, amen. I, I'd have been a better man, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. amen. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: that's how I feel. I'm like, where where were y'all 20 years ago when I was? Amen. uh, I'll take even 30 years ago because it's um talking to you guys have um I think um I'm hoping everybody has grown in some way. People even listening to this has grown. I know it it has um taken me to another level. Um, I was sharing with um Deacon Joe um last night that um. I was tested this week because I was getting ready to pay my um cable bill and they cut my cable off and they had put me under a different program without even asking me, but it's over for the COVID-19. So people still have access to their internet. But I was like, no, and I always set up a payment arrangement, let them know. Yeah, I'm going to pay you on my payday, but they cut my cable off. And so um, Monday, no, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I had no cable, so I wasn't able to watch TV. Mm -hmm. But I found (laughs) that I was able to study more because I knew, hey, I got to watch the word on Sunday. And then Monday night, you know, after work, I get to watch um, Pastor Ron. Tuesday, um, I picked up on somebody else's. And um, um, Wednesday... Same thing. Able to watch the Bible studies and everything, and just get more into the Word. And um, I found myself accomplishing more this this week. So then yesterday, when it my payday, I'm like, "Yeah, I could turn my cable back on." So I had it turned back on, and part of me was like, "What would you even have it turned on (laughs) for?" Because you're still not watching TV. I was, you know, talking to everybody else, and I felt this week has taken me up another level with getting God's word and still wanting to learn more. And, um, the, he, he's, he's showing me where to go on the direction, um, for the podcast, uh, for me to research information, not just come from the hip, actually knowing what, what questions I'm going to ask and why am I asking these questions so it it was um I'm learning a lot. So I enjoyed this every Saturday morning with y'all. And um like I said, we're getting out there. People are listening and um it's it's gonna be all good. Hopefully next week, uh brother Rod will be um I think he was having some phone problems. So hopefully he'll be back mm-hmm. on here with us. But um uh, I just thank you, brothers, and um, you know, it, it, it it's we're getting out there. We are getting out there. All right. So uh, we're gonna, um, Deacon Joe, you can close out now, and and if you don't mind, lead us out in prayer. And if you wanna, um, uh, we'll have Pastor Ron do the the welcome. You know, you do the prayer. If you wanna give yourself over to um, Christ, you,
3: (laughs) you, (laughs) (laughs) I'm the host.
1: (laughs)
2: <laughs> all right uh, lord we just thank you for bringing us out this morning thank you for watching over us last night in in our sleep and having us wake up this morning i thank you for this podcast i thank you for the subjects we are touching on and i thank you for letting us be able to touch other people's lives where they're able to learn and we're able to learn and lord i just thank you for my brothers and lord let us be able to go out today spread out your word and let us be safe with the COVID 19 situation. Let us be obedient to what we need to be obedient to. And Lord, I just again I ask you and I thank you for my brothers and Amen. our our safeties. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And we just like um uh Pastor Ron and or Pastor T. You know, when we say the most simplest thing a person can do is to say, Lord, I want you to come into my life. You can do it right where you at. And at this time, when you say that, Lord, come into my life, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. At that time, we, we believe that you're, you're, you are you're saved. Is that correct, uh, Pastor T?
3: Well, I, I would take okay. a little step further, you know, just Romans 10, 9 and 10. If we confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in our Amen. heart, that God is raised from the yes. dead. Scripture says you shall be saved. Um, I, I would just, and yeah, Father, we just thank you right now. So if you're listening uh, to this podcast and you would like to be born again, you'd like to be saved. You'd like to spend your eternity with the Lord Jesus in heaven and with his saints. Let's repeat this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord of all. And I believe in my heart that the Father has raised you from the dead. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. And I ask you to take my life and do something that magnifies you, that magnifies the kingdom with it. I thank you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior now. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus, I give you thanks. Amen.
2: amen. All
3: right. I thank you, my brothers. Y'all
2: enjoy the rest of your day. And remember, amen. we're going to post this out there. We're going to get it out there. God, God bless you. you. Love
1: you, brothers, too. All right, everybody. I take love you, you all. my brothers. You hey, Take care and be blessed. safe. God
3: bless you. you yes, all, man. Too. all right. Amen. Amen. You all be blessed. All right. <laughs>
2: amen.
3: Be, amen. <clears throat> Bye-bye.